Welcome to Unsafe Space. If you guys missed it, yesterday we had book club. Okay, you're muted again. <laughs> anyway, yesterday we did book club, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for everyone who joined us. We had some new people there in book club. We had some uh, faces that we're used to seeing. And that was a kind of a short, quick, fun one. So if you want to hear that conversation, you can check it out. We have our next book club is going to be Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order, which is nonfiction. We alternate between fiction and nonfiction. And the date for that one is, I don't have it in front of me. Let's see. Uh, I think it's the 20th, May 30th. It's May 30th. Sunday, May 30th. Okay, great. So you guys have like a month to read this one. And we usually do them live on, on that Sunday, May 30th. We'll do it live at 2 p.m. Texas time. But you can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. You can, there's also links to buy if you don't already have the book. Uh, it's free to join and participate. And you can be on camera chatting with us or you can be in the live chat. Yeah. Can you hear me, I'll, by the way? Am I? I can hear you. While Carter's All messing right. with tech, I'll just do the rest I'm of the just... announcements. I'll run through them very fast. If you visit unsafespace.com, you can uh, subscribe to us. If you want to support us financially, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, we have a locals, we have a uh, subscribe star, whatever. You can do lots of different ways to do it. If you subscribe at the $25 level or above, you get a mug, which looks like so, which is probably the coolest thing we put out. We also have some cool t-shirts in the shop and other things if you want to if you want to support us that way. And as always, you can like share and subscribe videos we have other series we have a great reset series with comics division and i think this is all of our announcements oh we have a retreat coming up in august in texas if you would like to come would like to come have, we still have day passes day available. passes available i can hear myself now i can't okay so we still have day passes available and you can also get that at unsafespace.com Carter is still fiddling. Look at this cookie. It's Texas right. and it has. I don't hear an echo anymore, but your audio is like three seconds delayed. So I don't know how I'm going to have a conversation. Why don't we start by putting up that picture I sent you and I can talk about it. I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> well, we're doing this then, are we? So what I wanted to talk about, I'll just I'll just move into it while Carter's figuring that out. This weekend in Austin, there was a big it was Derby Day on Saturday, May 1st, which that's kind of a fun thing. I was out in Dripping Springs in Fredericksburg and I saw some bachelorette parties and they had these really fun Derby Day costumes like one bride. Her uh, bridesmaid was a costume designer, so their costumes were amazing. The, the uh, bridesmaid was dressed as as a jockey and had the leggings and a green shirt and like the little hat. And then the bride had this really uh, kind of over the top white gauzy dress, like an eighties wedding dress. And then she had a big red derby hat with little miniature horses all the way around it and a, and a flask. It was, it was awesome. It was derby day, but it was also May day. And here in Austin, there was a huge communist protest and demonstration in March. And I found that kind of amazing because I did a quick media search to see how the media covered it. And it was almost impossible to find any 
mention in the media of this protest, but you can see photos and video from it. It was average everyday citizens and independent journalists who were covering it. Of course, the legacy media mostly ignored it. And I wanted to mention that because, again, for people who are stuck in the in the matrix, so to speak, or in the cathedral who believe all the propaganda, I'd like to ask them, does this not bother you? Where's the, where's the equivalent nonstop 24-7 legacy media coverage of this protest? Why don't they focus on these extremists, these loons, and do the same thing they do with extremist white supremacist loons? You know, where's the nonstop propaganda from the from the legacy media that's telling us this is a clear and present danger and that America's full of communists and it's around every corner? You know, where's the press demanding that the president disavow these communists repeatedly over and over and over? Where's the press pretending if he disavows them, pretending that he didn't do it? It's it's just you can't you can't compare the two. It's it's. It's completely one-sided. They want us to believe that white supremacists are everywhere. And then when communists march, they completely go blackout and don't even mention it. Yeah, so here's video Carter's putting up on the left. I killed the sound because I figured the sound's yeah. probably not worth yeah, doing. Yeah, it's not worth doing. But, you know, there they are proudly marching with the red uh, communist flags with the hammer and sickle. And then there's a photo you can put up too. And in the photo, I mean, it's in the photo there's pictures on their protest signs uh glorifying mal <laughs> oh yeah those these I, are awesome but yeah i can't i can't believe that it's like can you imagine people walking around with signs glorifying hitler it's the moral equivalent well it mal killed more mind. people i think right um in fairness <laughs> don't downgrade mal uh yeah here's the mal here's the picture and there's of the people marks on the signs there's mal i think i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they have stalin on the signs well let's see i see marks uh let's see who do we got here go. i'll put it full screen for a sec all right well i see stalin yeah okay look stalin I see mal i see marks i don't actually know who that is do you mm -mm. this person and i can't tell who that is might have been it might be angles but i don't know what angles looks like off the top of my head but marx mao and stalin are all here where's um where's ibram x kindi <laughs> yeah um, i don't know maybe where where's what happened to angelo <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's what mayday is kind of um the the mayday thing i guess there's a couple different there's a couple different definitions of May Day, right? There's uh, like just the springtime festival thing, but there's also the International Workers Day, which is a communist thing. Um, That's what this was, I guess. Yeah, and um, it was, I think it coincides somewhat with, what was it, the Haymarket? Was it Haymarket, what was that the name of it? The protest that got violent in the, during the progressive era in the late 19th century. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't remember the names, but yeah. One thing that I really don't like, by the way, I, we should make, we should just blame me completely. That was a complete boomer moment with the uh, audio. It was my other computer watching our YouTube video, pumping it in delayed to me. And I, there was a tab open that I didn't realize. So I couldn't get rid of the sound and I was really confused why uh, it was just 
technical. It was just pilot error. Um, thanks for thanks for sticking with us, guys. Anyway, yeah, it is the Haymarket massacre that you're talking about. It was May fourth, eighteen eighty six, at Haymarket Square in Chicago. It began as a peaceful rally in support of workers striking for an eight hour workday the day after police killed one and injured several workers. An unknown yeah. person threw a dynamite bomb at the police as they acted to disperse the meeting, and the bomb blast and ensuing gunfire resulted in the deaths of seven police officers and at least four civilians. Dozens of others were wounded. So yeah. that I I guess is the uh one of the, the things that, of the day. Yeah, that coincides with uh, May 1st and these communist protests. But I just, I, I know it gets tiring sometimes pointing out the hypocrisy, but I still do it because there are still people asleep. There's still lots of people I think asleep. It's worth, it's, I think it's worth it, Carrie, especially when you've got open air communism uh, <laughs> strutting around. Like it's like, like it's a totally reasonable position to have, right? It's like... It's, it's like, considered a totally normal, reasonable thing to have. At best, you get an eye roll. And right? media blackout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's no... Brian Stetler doesn't seem to be really concerned about commies taking over America. So, like, not the way... You know, white supremacy, as a phrase, has become so ubiquitous in the past four years. We hear it constantly. It even drips from the mouth of President Biden. It's like all, on everyone's tongue. Ben and Jerry's is tweeting about white supremacy. White supremacy is not a huge threat in this country, or at least it, it was it had been declining steadily. We were making great progress. It was just a, bun, a a small group of lone nuts who used to go out and couldn't even get enough people for a parade. And now, was it, that the vanilla ice cream with white <laughs> chocolate chips and flakes of coconut? <laughs> the white I don't supremacy know that one. Benigeris, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but now now if it, I think it is growing to some degree because they've created the boogeyman they want. Mm-hmm. They've built up this fake boogeyman, and now there are actually people that they are pushing into this extremism. But they don't, they're not doing the same thing with communism. They're not building up this boogeyman. They're not telling you, this is everywhere. It's a big threat. The president, President Biden is not doing, it's not dripping from his mouth talking about the communist threat in America. It's not, Ben and Jerry's isn't tweeting about the communists who marched this weekend. Well, I mean, they've been providing cover for commies for decades. Like this is, you've mentioned this before, and I don't think you're alone, Carrie. When you went to college and you didn't go to a crappy college, you went to Duke, right? Um, So it's not like you went to, you know, some crappy community college there with, you know, one one professor who knew any history and was teaching everything. Like you went to Duke, it's a respected university. they didn't teach you about the failures of communism. You didn't learn about that at Duke. You did learn about Nazism and Hitler uh, and fascism, but you didn't learn anything about To be fair, Stalin I, I didn't take a lot of history classes. All the history classes I took were um, in relation to women's studies and critical race theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Well, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself, right? Because... Yeah. If you don't learn it in high school, which I assume you didn't learn it in high school either. I didn't learn it in high school. Um, and I didn't learn it in college. Mm-hmm. I did not learn it in high school. And I went to a great science and math high school. You did an excellent high school, right? Yeah, you were at an accelerated, like, gifted person's high school. Mm-hmm. So totally, I could totally expect you to be able to handle reading about communism. That, was, that would have been in your skill set. But they provide cover for it. They don't talk about it at all. Um, when they do talk about it, 
they they portray Stalin and Mao as these like uh, aberrations that are like, well, you know, they're not. They were just a couple crazy people ended up in charge, but really, communism was awesome. And the New York Times spent most of the Soviet Union's life uh, providing Caring cover water. for the Soviet Union. Yes, lying. Yeah, I mean, ha- <laughs> uh, Duarte uh, got a Pulitzer Prize for lying about Potemkin villages, and no one, you know, there's like a lame ass apology now. If you go to the New York Times website, where they're like, "Well, they were, you know, oops," but no, like, no one revoked the Pul- Pulitzer. No one, like, there's no real consequences to any of this behavior we just no we look past it and we pretend and oh i I mean i was wearing the shirt on air the other day maybe it was a different show i think it was sorry someone was interviewing me i have the shirt with the che guevara with the line through his face like the the circle with the line through it um and obviously that's not the normal shirt you see these college students with che guevara running around yeah um as if like the communist revolution, who, by the way, was like a racist and homophobe and like murdered people that were like murdered blacks, murdered gays, like a horrible individual. But at Ivy League schools across the nation, you could see students who considered themselves <laughs> well-educated and erudite and would probably sneer at the flyover states running around campus with their Che Guevara shirt as if that's like a normal thing. Can you imagine having a shirt with Hitler's face on it? No. And like going to frat parties at college and be like, yeah, he was cool. We did look a how, shirt. Look how hipster I am. This is how much in that bubble I was and how unthinking I was when I was a social justice warrior. Uh, when I represented Margaret Cho, we did a shirt with her face, just like that iconic poster of him. I remember and it said, that shirt. Instead of Che, it said Cho. And can you imagine if we had done that shirt with Hitler? Like, you just wouldn't see that. But it's so accepted to do it with with these communist heroes. I put that word in quote. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to read no, the super chat. I can't, I can't see it anymore, but I just wanted to thank him. Uh, Christopher Gorey, thank you, sir. He says, as a native Texan... I'm just paraphrasing because I read it. He said he was disgusted by what he saw, and he said we're losing, crushingly depressing. It was a super chat? Yeah, it, that's it. I got it. You don't have to reread it. Oh, okay. Thank you, sir. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I found it. I just want to make sure I saw it. Tax Tara, thank you, Tax Tara, said, Dear Leader Biden also declared May 1st to be Loyalty Day. What is Loyalty Day? It, that's... <laughs> Wait, who? He didn't declare it. I think that's already a thing, right? Is it? Did, Look, did he I've make never it heard up? Of... I thought it was like just some stupid holiday that we didn't celebrate. Loyalty. And now I got to look it up. Saturday, May 1st, Loyalty Day. A proclamation on Loyalty Day. Loyalty Day on Wikipedia. Oh, it was first observed in 1921. 1921. Yeah, during the first Red Scare. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, oh, I'd, I'd like to blame oh, Biden for lots of things. Well, well tax Tara, yeah, this also seems, this is actually, they said that the date, May 1st, was set for Loyalty Day in order to counter International Workers' Day. Yeah, that's what I thought. was conceived of, yeah, in the height of the Second Red Scare. The holiday was first observed in 1921. During the First Red Scare, it was originally called Americanization Day, and it was intended to replace 
The May 1st celebration of International Workers' Day, which commemorates the 1886 Haymarket Affair in Chicago. Right. And there was an argument about whether to have the, the Workers' Day be the May the May May Day, the International Communist Workers' Day, or Labor Day. And so they pushed for Labor Day because it's in September and it's disconnected from the Haymarket stuff and the communist thing. And then they, I guess they used Loyalty Day as a replacement for mm-hmm. celebrating in May. Um, of course, if you have someone like Biden talk, talking about Loyalty Day, I imagine that the perversion of what they mean by loyalty to America is is imbued in whatever it is he's saying. I did not hear him talking about Loyalty Day, but I can only imagine he probably tied it to wearing masks. Show your loyalty by getting vaccinated. Maybe. Thank you. Yeah, by, you know. By the way, can I, can I read this? It's yeah. from G-Man. It's not a super chat. But... It's a criticism that I just really need to take to heart. He says, I think Carter just has his fascist dictator bar set too high. He'll never like one if he complains about every little thing. It's <laughs> a good point. Gee, man, I, point taken. I'll never like one if I'm going to complain. Um, yeah, I can it actually, can I say something about that? I, I've said this before, but since, since you want to, since you brought up this communist thing and it's kind of related to the May version of Labor Day, or International Workers' Day. Um, I can't stand. This is one of those. This is one of those times in which language is used, and we don't think about it. We don't stop and think about what we're saying because we're used to hearing it all the time. And I really detest using the word "worker" to mean someone who only works with manual labor and isn't and doesn't do any like no management, no intellectual labor, like it's only manual labor. Those are the workers. Um, I think it's a, that was a victory. I don't know when that happened, but it was probably over a hundred years ago. That was a victory that (laughs) some dictionary (laughs) manager was able to uh, foist upon us because just think about the implication that that means. Right, it implies that other people aren't working. Right, the guy on the factory floor is the worker, but the manager's not the worker. Um, and it's it's designed to create this classist view of the world, right? Where you've got anyone who's who's successful in any way is automatically viewed as the enemy, um, instead of you know, instead of viewed as the person actually providing jobs, uh, they're viewed as the enemy. Um, and I, I really, I really despise that. I really despise that. I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it other than that. I mean, I could probably go into how. You don't like the phrase working class. I mean, if you're going to use it to differentiate between people who receive a welfare check and everyone else, then sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but no, not the way in which it's used, right? Because this is one of the fundamental stupidities about Marxism that's so obvious that I don't understand why. I, some, I, I, yeah, I, sometimes I just don't understand how this, you, you really have to not want to see this to not see it. But there's this idea that like, oh, well, there's the factory and the workers, the quote workers do all the work in the factory. And then there's the factory owner and he's just lazy and sits there and owns the factory and he sits back and doesn't have to do the manual labor. And so there's this inequity here. 
But no one ever asks the question, where's the factory come from, right? Yeah. Marx is like this, sees the means of production. Okay, how did there get to be means of production? Because in the Middle Ages, there wasn't a factory to seize. Why is there a factory now? Shouldn't we be asking the question, how did the factory come into existence? And it, this idea that like, all the work are the work are the are the factory workers necessary? Obviously, yes, and they have a voluntary relationship with the employer in a free market. It's voluntary, whereby they're working there because they think that the money that they get is worth the time that they put in, and the boss thinks that <laughs> the time they put in is worth the money he gives them. Like that's the relationship, but. There's no like a priori, factories don't spring up like, you know, they don't spring up like a mountain spring in the, you know, you don't turn a corner going mountain, like hiking and be like, hey, look, <laughs> a factory is blooming. Like that's not how factories come into existence. Someone has to invent stuff, risk their capital, uh, which is usually hard earned capital by someone. Um, and they put in a lot of work. Intellectual work is work. Uh, and so the idea that like, we're gonna seize the factory because we don't need you anymore because you did all the hard work of creating it out of nothing, but we're gonna be, now we're gonna take it over and own it. And that's somehow just, uh, it's absolutely ludicrous. It, it incentivizes exactly the wrong thing. So. I have heard you talk about this before. I don't feel as strongly I know. about it, but I, I mean, I mostly agree with you. I just don't have that, uh, visceral reaction to working class being used to talk about people who do manual labor. But I mean, I understand what you're saying. You, you know why? Come. I was a founder for a while and, and I, and I coached founders and, and funded founders and worked with founders for like, I worked with probably a thousand founders, like hundreds of, at least maybe a thousand founders. Every single founder, even the ones that fail. And by the way, most of them fail, right? <laughs> Every single founder, is like scrubbing the toilet and doing all the crap work. They're doing everything at the beginning and they work hours that regular people can't even understand. Like they literally, they go to sleep working, they get up working, their health usually deteriorates for the first couple of years of a company. Like a lot of them get divorced. Like it's, it's, a, it's a hard lifestyle and some of them get massively successful and get to be billionaires and like good for them. But a lot of them don't. And the idea that they, it's easy to just be like, oh, I, I could do that. I could build Facebook. Like, I don't like Zuckerberg, but you can't build Facebook. <laughs> like, that's not easy. Not everyone can do that. And I'm, you know, again, I don't like the guy for other reasons and like we can have our problems with him, but we gotta respect the work and the, and the, and the productivity that he's, that he's capable of. Um, and, and, I don't know how you expect to build an advanced civilization if you take the knowledge workers and the inventors and the entrepreneurs and spit on them. <laughs> what kind of world do you think that's going to create? That's Here's what the, the Soviet Union did. They spit on it and you get the Soviet Union. That's what you get. I was a founder of one company, but I don't right. I still don't have that reaction, but I understand it. Anyway, moving on. All right. Okay, uh, I sent you another image I wanted to okay. talk about if you were game. This is uh, Corey, <laughs> Corey Bush. Is Wait, is this favorites? the Twitter one? Yeah. 
Uh, it looks like a video. Should I be looking at a video? Is it a video? Well, Maybe I think the last thing you sent me on Signal is a video. So I'm okay. going to pull it up and assume that's what you meant to do. Uh, this one. Oh, that's a different one. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me send you this. Oh, okay. Well, later, Carrie will want to talk about this. <laughs> First, let me send you <laughs> Carter. You got it. So this is about St. Louis, which is just voted to defund the police. And Representative Cori Bush, who's a representative there in Missouri, tweeted, Today's decision to defund the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department is historic. It marks a new future for our city. There it is on the screen. Well, that's true. It, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> It is historic. She is right. <laughs> I, my mouth just dropped open seeing this. I mean, yeah. Huh? This is there anything that is is a greater illustration of the two different movies that this country is watching? Because she's tweeting this as if it's a positive thing. A po she doesn't have to say it. You know, she's saying a positive new future. But I'm looking at this going, it's going to be a very dystopian new future for your city without the police. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't, I have mixed feelings about that. Wait, tell me what they are. Um, I'm kind of over the whole thing. I'm like, all right, if you don't want police, like, go ahead. Good luck. Like, I don't, you know, my interactions with the police have never been good. Most of the great police are retiring. Most of the people joining the police force are primed to be soldiers of evil because uh, they'll do what they're told. I don't really agree with a lot of the laws they're enforcing. I would like someone to police uh, murder and theft and, and assault and rape and that kind of, that would be nice. Um, so that, that would be cool if those kind of police would be around. But in general, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm supporting it, but when a big city does it, I'm kind of like, all right, well, let's see what happens. Like, go ahead, guys. You want to try it? Go ahead. Like, I'm I, pretty sure it won't work out the way you're thinking, but I don't care. Go ahead. I did I did see some people who were saying the reason I asked what your opinions on it are is because I saw some people saying sort of the accelerationist kind of people. Who said, "Okay, mm -hmm. this is awesome. We're gonna we're gonna end up there anyway. Let's just get there faster and let it all fall apart faster." Yeah, the problem with that, which I get, I totally get that accelerationist argument. But basically, the French Revolution was an accelerationist version of what was bound to happen anyway in Europe. So, yeah, you can have accelerationism that, and like you can say, "We're gonna go there anyway. Let's accelerate." But accelerating sometimes can be pretty horrible during the process of acceleration, like. Okay, the French Revolution did result in less aristocracy and institutions that were more in democratic control, but man, that was not a super clean path no. to get there, right? So and this will not be a super clean path for the working class, to use a phrase that you don't like using, right. but this will not be a super clean path for hardworking people in St. Louis and families in St. Louis. I mean, I think you're going to see a mass exodus from that city. 
Yeah, I mean, I also, I, you also have to take into account my attitude on it is is tainted by my view of our, the status of the U.S., where I'm kind of like, okay, well, the conversation is impossible with the other side. We're splitting. I'm happy that we're splitting. I'm trying to find people that want to split and support liberty, and eventually we'll all coalesce somewhere. And, okay, so we won't coalesce in St. Louis. Got it. Like, <laughs> you've declared your territory. All right. That's cool. That can be your territory. Hey, liberty-minded people, leave. Uh, yeah, don't go to out. St. Louis. Um, so I just sent I just sent you another tweet of hers, and this is from okay. yesterday. This is a recent one. I just I wasn't as familiar with her, and then I started looking at some of her tweets. She is reprehensible. <laughs> like I mean, this, so many so many of them are. These this politicians. one. Listen to how she speaks about America. She says, our communities wouldn't have needed to spark a national movement to save black lives. Is that what you did? Is that what you did, Corey? You sparked a national movement to save black lives? Because I don't see you guys saving any black lives. I see crime getting worse in cities where there are large black populations. I see... Yeah, I think we've uh, lost a lot of black I lives. I think we've lost a lot of black yeah. lives. I think there were black people killed. There were black people killed, like David Dorn in the in the Black Lives Matter riots. And businesses destroyed. A lot of black businesses destroyed. And on top of that, you guys pr prevent us from talking about the black people who are murdered by fellow black people every year. Like, it's, it's just, it's verboten. You can't speak about it. If you had sparked a national movement to save black lives, that wouldn't be a topic that's off limits. But it is. Anyway, she says our communities wouldn't have needed to spark a national movement to save black lives if America weren't racist as fuck. <gasps> Carrie swore. I did swear. But that's what the representative Cory Bush said. America, racist AF. Well, if Cori Bush says it, it's okay then. Marie, you don't have to put any money in the swear jar. It's just a quote. I can't believe, and they want to. They want to. They want to make a big deal about Trump's tweets. I mean, I get it. He's uncouth <laughs> and outrageous, and says completely unprofessional things. But what is this? <laughs> it's the same thing. Well, I mean. If you've been following Maxine Waters since like the '90s or whenever she started her thing, you, like you can't really be shocked by some of the crap elected officials say. It's it's pretty horrible. But yeah, I mean, the, she didn't need to start a national movement. Like she also says, our communities wouldn't have needed to spark a national movement. You didn't need to, by the way, you didn't need to spark one. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, many of us wish you kind of hadn't. But I don't know, Carrie. Did you see um, near you this that South Lake, Texas, uh, thing? No. The school boards. No. What are you talking? I about? guess it's not super near you, but since I'm in California, everything in Texas is near Carrie. Near me. What happened? <laughs> uh, so remember a couple years ago, there was the video of a bunch of white kids using the N word at some school. Oh. And it went viral. I don't remember this, but I saw a post about it in my local SJW group recently. So what happened? Well, there was a video, which is actually hard to find because it's been like completely bleeped out. So if you want to do any like actual research about what the video was 
and context. It's hard to like, watch it. You can't actually find the unedited video. But um, it sounds bad, which is all I can say because I haven't been able to watch the video. But it sounds bad. And um, and I may have watched it a couple years ago. I just don't remember. But, yeah, it was these kids using the N-word. Um, and the town, it's like a wealthy town. And so it's it's mostly white uh, and and um, the and I, I guess a few of the black people in the town, most notably the wife of a football player who's now deceased, but who um, was he was very active in the community, um, and so she was kind of paying attention to stuff. Um, had she'd been kind of complaining that there's a lot of racist things that that some of the white kids do in town or comments that they make or whatever. And so this viral video happened and, and this was an opportunity for her and others to say like, look, we need some kind of reform. This is a, this is a problem. And, and I'm sure I, I do recall reading about that woman, the, the widow of the football player. She Mm -hmm. used it as an opportunity like they do to then say, Hey, we need to bring in all this poisonous critical race theory indoctrination. Right. Right, and so instead of having the conversation that should be had, right. which is, yes, this is a problem. Um, frankly, I think the first people that I would go to are the children themselves who said it and then the parents of those kids because they're responsible for their kids' behavior, mm-hmm. uh, not the school. But, okay. Um, instead, there was this movement to bring in basically – it wasn't even <laughs> – I can't believe we have standards of CRT, but it wasn't even like <laughs> the craziest CRT, but it was like some CRT, some critical race yeah. theory kind of stuff. And the town, what's, what the reason that's in the news again now is the town really, really pushed back. Um, they hated this. In fact, um, Dana, what's her name? Lakish, the NRA Dana uh, Loesch. spokesperson. Yeah. Loesch, is that her name? Yeah. She lives there. Um, yeah. And the town is just very conservative and they pushed back and they basically kicked the entire school board out. They like their votes were like 70% to 30%. That's awesome. And they kicked everyone out. Um, And uh, yeah, part of me was like, that's awesome. So this is a good news story. Yeah. But the other part of me was kind of like, well, it's hard to tell from news stories because they're, they're vilified at obviously the people who kicked them out are vilified as like horrible people. There's even in one of the news stories, it was like, some of them even say that kids should be taught to be colorblind. <gasps> like this is like, this is some horrible thing that they would want to propose that we teach children. Um, but one thing I'm, I'm a little bit worried about is like, well, clearly there is, there seemed to actually be some real problem with race. And I don't know how extensive it was. It's all anecdotal and like, but there were some anecdotes. There were two videos. So, like, clearly, maybe there was some underlying yeah. problem in the community that needs to be addressed. And my concern is that um, because we can't have a real discussion about how to address it, um, maybe it just won't get addressed. Because now they've kicked those people out, and likely, I think, they'll just be like, we're not going to do anything. Right? And they're like, well, okay, the problem doesn't why- actually get addressed now. This is this is sort of a larger issue that we've touched on before, but because this whole social justice, 
um, identitarianism, intersectionality, critical race theory movement is so cancerous and toxic. They call it anti-racism movement. It is so racist. It is so toxic. And it is so currently acceptable in this country, which makes it a dangerous threat. And it is being pushed in elementary schools now. Because that's so dangerous, you have this one extreme that fuels the other extreme. There's a, a reaction to that. You know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so this has been the fear of a lot of liberals who've been speaking out against social justice and wokeness and critical race theory and, 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 and anti-racism, what a BS name, who've been speaking out about it. The fear is that not just that it itself is cancerous and threatens to destroy the experiment that is America, but that it could also provoke an equally toxic uh, 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 and racist reaction. You know, uh, th this is why I said yeah. earlier, I think there, I think that, that monster, right. White supremacy had been declining as an ideology in the States for a while. And now I think it actually probably in the past couple of years is growing because you're, it's reactionary. You're pushing people that way. So I hear what you're saying that, that because, uh, there will be a reaction that views any attempt to address racism as bad and, and like lumping it all in with CRT and lumping it all in with, with cancerous Right. And I'm, and races. I don't know that that's the case here. I don't want to accuse the people that have, right. like, I don't, I don't know, know that town. Right. So maybe that's not the case. And, and maybe they're going to sit down and talk to these kids and, and, and whatever and take other measures to address it. But um, it is a little bit concerning because if you imagine, imagine being a white kid and being told that a white kid in a an environment that's teaching CRT uh, and being told that, well, you have to view everything through the lens of race, your identity is racial. And it's very important. And and by the way, yours is bad, right? Well, someone's going to come along and say, no, 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 yours is good. And that becomes pretty tempting. And there's and almost no one is sitting around and not, almost no one in uh, in positions of authority is saying, no, it's irrelevant. <laughs> like, yeah. actually, your races are not relevant. Let's. We don't have to focus on it. Um, we've got one side focusing on it, and uh, and I I think people focused on it in the other way are just going to swoop in and yeah indoctrinate. Like some of those kids are going to flip and they're going to become yeah actually racist. Yeah. So so well, speaking of Texas and what's going on with some of the school boards, I am I am so glad they voted that way and kicked out those woke people but um i wanted to highlight this round rock which is near me round rock is currently in my opinion a battlefield for ideology it is a, a town a community that's north of austin it's just it's right outside of austin and it has been it's sort of a mix of red and blue and competing ideology and competing parties and all this and so woke ideology has really taken root there in the past few years and recently, the Round Rock Independent School Board, uh, Round Rock ISD, sorry, the school board voted <laughs> to keep their mask mandate, even though there has been a significant anti-mask movement or pro-face movement of parents. 
and their kids who've been a out. A pro-face movement. A pro-face movement who've been protesting <laughs> and who show up at the school board meetings and to make their voices heard. It's overwhelmingly, it, it's not like other areas. Like these parents are vocal and they are, they do not want a mask, but they do not want their kids to be forced to wear a mask if they're returning to school. And God bless them. They've been do, doing a lot of work getting people out. So they were very disappointed when the the school board voted to go ahead and keep the mask mandate and they're fighting it. They're legally challenging it. I'll put, I'll give you a link later, but they're currently connect uh, collecting donations for anyone who wants to support them. They're actually not even collecting the donations. They're just collecting a pledge to donate a certain amount so they can see if they think they'll be able to, to get the 25 K that they need to sue. And it's going to be a big group of the parents suing. So, huh. um, so what happened recently is, there's a spate of articles in all the local Austin press and everything saying, look at these racist messages that the anti-maskers are sending to the school board, the Round Rock uh, school board trustee, Jun, uh, Jun Zell. Okay. So he's, I think, Chinese American. And then they, and, and I've seen petitions signed and the SJW groups are all like, look at all these racist anti-maskers and then racism, racism, racism. And they're trying to create this narrative. So I was digging into the articles and I was trying to figure out, well, what are some of the comments? Right. Most of the what articles, racist comments? they yeah. don't include them. <laughs> they don't include them. Hmm. He's supposedly getting inundated with racist comments. You think you would give us an example. So then I found one that gave some examples. Here's one. It says, uh, the comments reportedly came after trustee Jun Zhao defended the benefits of mask wearing in schools. Screenshots from his page show comments calling Dr. Zhao, quote, the biggest fraud and the most dangerous ISD trustee in Texas. Where's the racism there? Yeah. What, what? <laughs> Wait, <Huh>? what? <laughs> okay. Uh, then here's one that says, now they don't include the whole quote. So I don't know if I even believe them on this one. It says, and some called Asians a quote, treacherous lot. If they called Asians a treacherous lot, why didn't you put Asians in quote? Why didn't you give us the yeah. full quote? Who did they call? Uh, you, you I don't put, believe that one. Yeah. You put treacherous lot in quotes, but you didn't include anything about race in quotes there treacherous lot i have a feeling that they were talking about the entire school board and you chose yeah, or to say just people that wanted masks or something right yeah. right right because why wouldn't you put it in there so i can see it you liars <laughs> you liars um that's all i can find oh wait there's one other thing and they don't put this in quotes uh they said they were also threatened there were also some threatening comments alluding to the violent character Ramsay Bolton in the Game of Thrones series. Well, tell us what that co those comments are. What? By the way, more than one about a character in Game of Thrones? That's weird. I have a feeling there's probably just one. And why don't you quote it? <laughs> so we can yeah. see it. <laughs> I love when they, they're just explaining to us that we should be outraged. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and everywhere, the headline. Look this guy up, guys. It's J-U-N... His last name is X-I-A-O. If anybody can find... Oh, Xiao. J-U-N. Xiao. X-I-A-O. If anybody in our chat, in our audience, can find a racist comment, I would like to see it. 
It is a challenge for the unsafe space community. If there was a racist comment left on his wall, if you can find it in any news article or anything, please let me see it because I can't find them. But all the headlines say he's getting racist abuse. Well, and to be clear, even if there was one or two comments, that doesn't make the whole movement against the mask no. mandates racist. It no, it doesn't. Like a couple racists said some things. Uh, go to a Black Lives Matter march and you'll hear some pretty racist things uh i mean they won't count as racist because they're anti-white but you'll hear <laughs> racist a lot of remarks. racist remarks yeah yeah uh but what but what makes it i i completely agree with your point even if there's a rotten apple and a bunch of people it doesn't make the bunch of people you can't you can't right. make characterizations about that entire group of parents if there's one bad apple but they don't even show me that one bad apple. And then I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't even think there's any. one bad apple. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's what you should take away from this is that if they can't provide one very clear quote, then there's none. Because they have looked. They Oh, they're trying. I mean, if they could find a really clear, you know, you, blah, 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 like if they could find a clear racist quote, they would use it. You have to assume. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> uh isn't that amazing to watch That's how a narrative bad. is shaved and then everybody goes around repeating it oh those round rock parents they left a lot of racist comments and and they just repeat it like truth and it's like yeah which comments yeah which were those i had a house in round rock for a while um, oh that's weird i didn't know that yeah um because i thought that would be a good this school district is is pretty good or was it was i, I don't know about now this was <laughs> 15 years ago, so I didn't have kids. I was planning. Um, But yeah, maybe it's a good thing I'm not there now. Also, it's basically, this is also just an example of, we've talked about this a lot, but any criticism of anyone, if they have a, if they are a member of any protected class, you're automatically, you're criticizing that right thing about them right so if they're black you're criticizing because they're black if they're gay you're criticizing because they're gay if they're trans it's because they're trans it's a woman it's because they're a woman it's which is really condescending to all those groups of people because it means that they are incapable of having any ideas that are worth criticizing on the idea itself yeah like it's it's a lie it is a lie and it is an offensive lie and it belittles actual racist it, it it makes a mockery of people who actually have suffered racial abuse online. It, it, it completely, you know, to pretend that somebody's saying, what was the quote, Th- that he's one of the most treacherous or whatever, school board members, whatever it was, to pretend that that's racist, you're making a mockery of actual racism. You're taking it so lightly, you're willing to exploit, exploit it, which I think makes you as bad as a racist. Well, and collectively, the media has become the boy who cried wolf. Now, when someone is racist, I just don't believe it. When someone actually is racist and they say so-and-so said a racist thing, my default is to just not believe it. Until you see proof. So I'm not even going to see the racists actually coming when they come because I'm not going to believe it because I don't believe anything you write anymore, media, because you just lie about all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're providing cover for actual white supremacist by yeah yes like numbing us to the accusations yes so by the time they come along we'll be like ah you call everyone hitler yeah come on <laughs> boy who cried wolf 
Yeah. I just want to read a couple super chats. I'm um, reading. Yeah, fast. we should go through them. Yeah. The gay rascal. Thank you, sir. I love your avatar. Says I have seen the future and it works. It's a quote. I'm not sure what that's from, but thank you. Super Iron Bob says. Is this misspelled or I can't read it? Reactants. Reactants. Oh, reactants is the pinnacle American emotional response. And then Christopher Gorey, thank you again, says, can't go to church, speak openly about an election or question a vaccine, but communist marches, burning, looting, and making movies like cuties is A-OK. Yeah, we live in clown world. <laughs> it's not just OK. It, you get an attaboy for that. It's celebrated. That good job. And good then, job. And then... Oh, what a great screen name. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Gives us $5. And speaking of which, I don't know if you guys have heard the rumors that Matthew McConaughey might be running for governor in Texas. Oh, I did not hear that. It's just a rumor at this point, but mm. I'm kind of excited by that wild card. What are his politics like? You know what? He just did an interview with Jordan Peterson. He got a lot of crap for it. He's... That's he, a endorsement right there. Like, that's good right there. I know. Yes. His mind is open. I don't think he's very bright, but his mind is open, which is fine. Like, it, he... And I think because he's not vocally... Even though he got a lot of crap for that, he's not vocally identified yet by the normies as being somehow a bad guy. So I think he would peel a lot of Democratic votes from Beto if he runs. Because there's also rumors that Beto's going to run for mm-hmm. governor. I think if Beto and McConaughey were both in the race, McConaughey would whoop his ass. <laughs> Which, all right, all right, all right. Uh, so anyway, thank you, all right, all right, all right. He says, hi, Carrie, a coalition is running for school board in Bend, Oregon. Large disinformation campaign taking place. See Reddit back, uh, slash Bend. Despite this, we have a shot. Please pray. That is excellent news. We, I will pray for you. Carter doesn't pray, but maybe he'll think about you tonight. <laughs> I, I, I P-R-E-Y. <laughs> Thank you. What a, I love that. I love hearing that people are doing stuff. They're running. They're trying to change their school boards. I really, like we've said before, your local politics, I think, matters so much more than national. And then Christopher Gorey, again, thank you, sir, gives us a quote. He says, most people's problems this past year aren't because of the virus so much as because of the government's response to it. And that was by the great Eric July. I completely right. agree with him. Yep. Let me read a few more super chats that, that went, that fell through the cracks. Okay. Just to get him, we can get caught up. Uh, Sue Escobar says, Carrie, check out Robert Phoenix online. He lives in Fredericksburg. He's running for city council and offers commentary on social issues similar to yours. What's his name? Robert Phoenix. Cool. You know, um, the guy, the, the Texas guy who introduced the subject of uh, the representative, I forget his name, but the one who introduced the, he, the idea of Texas secession recently, mm-hmm. was he's in Fredericksburg. Unfortunately, yeah. everyone reacted to it like he was a laughingstock and even fellow Republicans were calling him out online and stuff. But Oh, vote him out. Vote for Republicans who are down with secession, people. It's not, it's like, even if they don't agree, like, just vote ones that don't think it's funny. Yeah, why were they mocking him, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Super Iron Bob makes a good point. He says, knowledge workers are doing a fine job of spitting on themselves. (laughs) It's kind of gross, to be honest. That is true, Super Iron Bob. 
it communism isn't actually something that arose from the <laughs> blue collar workers. It arose from uh, a quote knowledge worker, knowledge workers, and is propagated by knowledge workers, uh, all for the benefit of the alleged mm-hmm. benefit of non knowledge workers. But it's actually for um, the benefit of the aristocracy. <laughs> it's there for their own benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Adam Coleman says 60% of black people live in 10 states. Lots of white people have little or no exposure to black people. It's usually ignorance, not hatred. Exposure helps. That's probably true. That's probably true. Um, you know what? It's, it's also true with, uh, belief systems. Any, any group that gets demonized. When I lived in Los Angeles, I hardly knew any Republicans. And, and it's possible to live in a big city and just completely isolate yourself. And, um, and, and I think, I think that a lot of this hatred and this dehumanization that happens for like Trump voters or conservatives or Republicans or whatever, I know that it dissipated for me when I made an effort to start befriending conservatives. And I think people in LA, it's possible to live, to live there and never interact with. It's so uncommon that I just watched a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, which you guys, if you watch that show, have probably already seen. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch it regularly. I'll just, it just happened to be on. And it was an episode where <laughs> Larry David decides to wear a MAGA hat to get out of a lunch meeting he doesn't want to go to because nobody wants to be seen with someone in a MAGA hat in LA. And so, <laughs> so he go, he shows up with the hat on and the guy that he doesn't want to be meeting with shows up and is like super embarrassed and then makes up an excuse and leaves <laughs> and he gets out of the, and then he starts using it all the time. But it just made me laugh because I'm like, yes, that's exactly what LA is like. They don't know anybody who wears MAGA hats. They have such a crazy stereotype. And that's just like with uh, any white people who fall into things like the KKK or whatever, it's, they don't. Like you said, they maybe don't have contact with black people. It's easy to dehumanize someone when you don't know any person who is black or gay or Republican or what have you. Yeah, especially if you're told that it's a separate category of person and that category is relevant somehow, right? Like you might not know a lot of Swedish people, but no one is saying Swedes are different. But there's entire organizations running around saying these categories are special and different. And if you don't know them, you might have mis you know, have, you know, uh, misconceptions. In fact, Kara, you and I have talked about this. We both know a few actual trans people we've met in our lives who are not trans activists at all, but trans, the trans population is very small. So most people's exposure to any trans person person is like Jessica Yanev or Jonathan Yanev. Like that's their exposure. That's a really bad representation. <laughs> right, but that's their exposure, right? Yeah, that's a really bad representation. Um, Cheeky Mare, I'm just going to read it because it's on screen. Hello, Cheeky Mare. Mm-hmm. She was in book club yesterday. Says, I've been listening to The Reason We Learn YouTube. She's a homeschool mom who wakes people up to CRT in schools. A good interview, maybe? Oh, I think I've heard of this lady. Thank you so much. I'm going to make a yeah. note of that. Um. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about school in a minute, but let me get through Super Chats. Maverick Buckley says, in five years or whenever China goes to number one, will life under the Petro Yuan be significantly harder and pricier? 
than under the petrodollar, debt, energy, etc. Uh, that's a good question. I think for many Americans, there will be a readjustment. Um, so in some sense, maybe. But I think long term, it probably wouldn't be. I mean, if you move to China, if you moved to China now to a major city in China, your standard of living, it might go down, actually, in some major cities, because they're way more expensive than many places in the US. But um, yeah, there'll be a leveling out, I think. But I don't think China's planning on like, forcing us to, I don't know that the Petro Yuan will ever be reserve currency. It might be. But like we said in the last show or two shows ago or whatever, I think China's going to sit on the sidelines and watch the United States implode because it's easier and less risky and inevitable. Uh, Find the City Cycling says, James Lindsay was recently released, recently released a podcast about the potential for this backlash. Also take a look at Brett Weinstein's video called Speak of the Devil. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the Brett Weinstein one. It's great. I didn't know uh, Lindsay had done one, but I will check it out. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think we've all been talking yeah, about for we've, a few it's, years It's now. obvious. Yeah. It should be obvious. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet they want to act like you're crazy if you point it out that this could provoke a backlash. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Mephisto Zarcis uh, says, I hope and pray that we don't have to watch out for the article by Tim Poole that states a school tries electroshock therapy to get rid of white male boys' tax toxic masculinity. <laughs> uh, they just use Ritalin for that. I don't know. They'll, they, <laughs> you're right. It sounds ridiculous, but um, they do they do pathologize masculinity and white. And they do view. And we've talked about yeah. And we've talked about the APA's guide to um, therapy for boys and men really throwing masculinity under the bus. They view boys as a uh, as broken versions of girls. So it's actually not that far-fetched, probably not electroshock therapy, because that's obvious. Like that's something that people would look at and say, hey, we know that's wrong. But well, probably pharmaceuticals. I wouldn't put it past them using that Maybe. and calling it something else. <laughs> Maybe. It's not electroshock therapy. It's. Uh, I mean, look at what they call kids in cages. Zapology. Yeah, they, yeah. We, we call it kids in cages here, but now we call it rehabilitation centers. What were they called? Like they just have yes. with temporary rehabilitation, rehabilitation centers or something. Centers. Yeah, something I don't know. And you know, when they bully people online, they call it radical kindness. They're really great at. It's just very Orwellian, 1984. You know, Ministry <laughs> so maybe you're of right, Truth. Yeah. yeah. There'll be some cool name they have for electroshock therapy. Yeah, that could be. And it's uh, something like um, positive electrical realignment or something. You know, they'll give it some. Maybe they'll use the word energy. People like the word <laughs> energy. Energy and alignment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rapid energy dispersal treatment. Um, uh, G-Man says, accelerationists I've talked to think they can easily win and go about living their life as normal. They don't understand the true cost of war and how long it will take to rebuild trust others again. Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, I do think eventually things are falling apart in this in the political sense, but uh, I do think a lot of 
not just accelerationists, but a lot of people that think that they can check out and be like a hermit. Like, oh, I'm just going to go move to the woods and like be on my own. And it didn't work out so well for Ruby Ridge. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't work out very well all the time. And you do, like, you do rely on the rest of society. The, the reason that we, like, have to talk about these things is because we kind of want to live together in, in a community where we can exchange goods and services. And living on your own, it's not as easy as you might think. Like, yeah, you can do a lot of things on your own, but where do you get a new part for your water heater when it breaks if there's no one manufacturing the parts where do you get parts for your car when it breaks where do you get a new tool if your tool breaks like you can't do you have a machine shop and a you know are you mining iron ore and smelting and like like do you, like what are you how much are you going to be self-sufficient you can't actually be completely self-sufficient in and have any semblance of modern lifestyle um can i read some of these suggestions from chat these are not super chats but i'm gonna read it yeah sure this is what so zeta says they'll call uh, they'll call it brain stimulation Mm, that's a good Uh, one uh or brain fortifying (laughs) oh yes they'll use the word fortifying (laughs) joe king says they'll call it temporary electrician training uh dario says mental energy redistribution yeah that's a really good one uh harry has i think they'll use the word neurological because it sounds more sciencey yeah it's got the science behind it silver (laughs) kangaroo says electric hormone inhibition (laughs) uh lella says electrical education center and then Dark Shadow says behavioral reconditioning. Well, yeah, behavioral reconditioning sounds real. That sounds actually very possible. <laughs> uh, but I, I think also I got them very all. horrible right away. Yeah. Oh, and Cheeky Mare says positive cognitive realignment. <laughs> Mostly peaceful oh. cognitive realignment. Ah. <laughs> uh. I think Carrie's muting because of Tiger. I'm going to do a couple more Super Chats. Uh, Rodzilla says, lived in the South for f- for 50 years. Sorry, my brain was broken on that one. Lived in the South for 50 years and can count the dyed-in-the-wool racists I've met on one hand. Having, having a Confederate flag doesn't count. Heritage, not hate. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who appreciate the, the idea that as bad as slavery was, and as much as they are morally opposed to it, the South had a right under the Constitution to secede. And there's people who disagree with that, but that's a that's a political position that's not related to racism. Uh, Alabama Toolbox says, I believe people on the far left subconsciously yearn for the tribalism of race. They want it, but they can't have it. It makes them feel trapped. Social justice is their Stockholm syndrome. I don't disagree with that Alabama toolbox. And I, I, I think most people yearn for some sort of tribalism. Um, and tribalism of race is a very convenient one. Um, I think you have to, I think people need to, the, the challenge with the liberal ideology of the West, the liberal ideas of the West, one of the challenges is you've got to give up in-group preferences, 
right? It's it's hard to do. And you can replace it for you can replace it with in-group preferences for your nation, I guess. You could you replace it with that, but even that can get obviously dangerous. So it's hard. It's hard to do that. I think we're probably hardwired to to look for some group or tribe uh, and have a preference for that group. And so it does take some I active work, I think. We we actually we found a way to, I think, express our innate tribalism in a sports. more harmless way. Sports in a more harmless yeah. way. You exercise it. You get that out. And now sports are being contaminated with all this crap. And nobody can just sit back and enjoy them and enjoy a harmless kind of, yay, my team tribalism. Because nobody wants to turn it on and be lectured to about social justice. <laughs> So they're yeah. doing away with all the things, the harmless ways that we express tribalism. And then what's left? These really dangerous ways of like, oh, are you Democrat or Republican? It's super important. No, it's not. <laughs> right. I, I do think you're right. I, sports is one of those things where I remember, I remember explaining this actually to my daughter once because I don't watch a lot of sports. But once in a while, I'll get into hockey or soccer. When it's the World Cup, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, but I remember explaining to her that like, she'd be like, well, who do you want to win? I'll be watching like a hockey game. And I'm like, well, I want the penguins to win, but that's not a rational position. I'm just enjoying being a fan of the Pittsburgh penguins. Like it's not like, this is a fun thing. It doesn't mean they're like objectively better or I'm better than the flyers fans. It just means I'm having fun being part of this tribe right now. It's a fun thing to do, and it's meaningless. Um, but it, just because it's meaningless doesn't mean you can't enjoy it and have fun with it. As long as you know, like, you can't go knife the Flyers fan after the game if you lose because unless you're it's a, just pretend. Unless, unless it's soccer, then you can totally No, or unless you're a Dodgers fan. I think they actually oh, beat people up in the... <laughs> Uh, I was, I was actually thinking like in the Premier League. I think that kind of happens, right? They knife each other after soccer games, uh, or foot, football games. Sorry, uh, people on the other side of the pond, but uh, but yeah, I think I think it is. I think that is healthy. And I used to, I'll be honest, I used to be like, I used to look down on it a little bit and be like, oh, stupid sports fan, blah blah blah, sports ball, because I'm not super into watching sports, but um. I changed my tune on that. I was I was wrong about that because I do think it is yeah. there is something fun and good and frankly it's a healthy outlet. It's a healthy um, outlet for, for tribalism. For picking a tribe and being like, yeah, yeah. because cuz you know, I don't care if you're a democrat or republican or whatever like you're on my you're like you also want the penguins to win. Like, okay, great. Like that's all that matters in that <laughs> 3 hours. It's yeah. all that matters, right? Yeah. Um, and to, if you go I, to a game, you can like have that feeling of like being part of a group all doing the wave or some stupid thing or all singing a certain thing at a certain time. And no one gives a crap what people's opinions are about anything else. It's just, you know, we all want the victory <laughs> for a particular team. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a decent, I think it's a decent outcome. They, they have to destroy these, these miserable social justice warriors. They have to destroy any kind of joyful and and mo- mostly harmless <laughs> exercising <laughs> of tribalism they have to get rid of it because it it like you said it creates a space for camaraderie across um racial differences gender differences political differences religious differences so you can all like you said come together and say but we're on this team together and they have to get rid of that because they want they want those divisions to be 
not harmless at all. They want them to be very serious and dangerous, and they want them to be around things like race and, and sex and sexuality and political affiliation. Right. And, right. Um, and, they they yeah. did the same thing with, uh, we talked about this before, but Dick, uh, Dixie Stampede, Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, they you have this North versus South during this game of dinner theater. And it's just silly, but during that hour or whatever that the show takes place, you're, this is my side, yay, go team, you know? Right. And there's people on horseback in the arena um, doing uh, different types of competitions, and you're rooting for your side, and, you know, of course they go after that. <laughs> right. Like, and, 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 you know, something else about the, the setting up artificial groups, when everyone knows that they're artificial and arbitrary, and therefore, and, and just fun, just is... Fun. It actually encourages you to behave in a more generous, magnanimous fashion to people that you normally would eschew a little bit. So, like, if someone's got social justice outfit on, I'm not going to want to talk to them. But if they're next to me in a Penguins game and they've got, like, a Penguins jersey, <laughs> we might be, like, totally buddies for that, like... I'm not like looking at their outfit going, you've got the pink hair and the da da da. And like, I see your metal bits and not your prop. You got like, I'm not like all that is aside for a moment because I'm connecting with them as a human over a frivolous thing, but it's a connection nonetheless. You, this is hilarious because remember the other day when I was, I was arguing on behalf of being civil and treating people in good faith, even if you know they have social justice beliefs, until you I, I get don't, to know no. them. Yeah, and you don't normally, and you were arguing the opposite, except if you're yeah. at a Penguins game, apparently. Right, right. Well, I'm recognizing the psychological effect it has to be lumped into a group together with the person, even if it's a silly, arbitrary group. It totally brings down that barrier that's there yeah. normally. So yeah. if I see the same person in line at Starbucks, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I don't want to talk to you. But if they're next to me at a game and on my side, like, oh, suddenly they're like, they're cool. We can talk to them. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> okay, right. are we caught up? Uh, I think we have one more. Uh, Trinoculus P. Could be Trinoculus P. I'm going to say Trinoculus P. Says, in 2018, your beloved McConaughey called for banning assault weapons for civilians, restricting high-capacity magazines, and strengthening background checks. Well... Well, I wonder what even his Matthew McConaughey is not perfect. Well, I wonder what his position is today. If it's the same, I mean, I'm not <laughs> Douglas. I don't know. So, yeah, no, maybe. Um, Douglas Chandler says my uh, image of English soccer is stuck in the 1980s. That is true, sir. Uh, that is true. I did watch when I was growing up in the 1980s. The only way to watch soccer anywhere was Thursday nights. There was German soccer without like dubbing on some television channel that we had reception for. So I watched German. It was like the Premier League, but it was in German. All right. So I just sent you an article. I don't know if you saw this. This is related yep. to the um, the tweet earlier in the video. This is a, should I say fellow podcast host? <laughs> a podcast host. Fellow. Who... Um, <clears throat> who had just recently on her show said F the police. And then hours okay. later in New York City, she ran over a police officer 
with her car and killed him. And from what I can tell, this is pretty much a podcast host who has swallowed a lot of the social justice narrative about... Well, she also swallowed tequila, wine, vodka, and smoked some pot, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do you want to read part of this? Yeah, sure. Uh, it says, New York radio host allegedly rams cop, killing him just after telling audience F the police. An anti-police activist and podcast host told her audience on Facebook F the police just hours before she reportedly hit and killed a New York City police officer with her car and then left the scene on Tuesday. WABC-TV reported police say 32-year-old Jessica Beauvais had drunk tequila, wine, and vodka. Ouch, that's a mix. And also smoked marijuana before she got behind the wheel and hit NYPD officer Anastasios Tsakos, a Greek name that I can't pronounce. The cop was standing in full reflective gear next to a lighted police cruiser early Tuesday morning on LIE when his life was cut short. Um, and then she was tracked down by officers eventually after she fled. Yeah, she fled the scene. Um, so I she just allegedly I, told I mean, officers, just... F you, I don't have to listen to you while being combative. Yeah, and that video I, I sent you was her being arrested. I, I just, I don't know. I Again, the hypocrisy in the legacy media. I mean, there are a couple of news articles about this, but not a lot. And, you know, the cable stations aren't covering it. And you're not going to see this taken as uh, an example of some greater pervasive problem in America, the way that they cherry pick these incidents oh. of... Uh, black people being shot by police. You're just, you're not going to see this being pumped 24 seven into some kind of propaganda or narrative that they want you to buy into. It's right. going to be forgotten. So. Right. Yeah. The danger now, I feel like danger in the past when we had like just newspapers and radio and we had like a few television channels, like maybe even pre-cable, the danger in the past was like, we wouldn't know the information we needed to know. And now I feel like the danger is all the information is available. So we need to turn, we like, we now back to turning to, I guess maybe it's the same thing. We're back to turning to curators. Like before we had to rely on curators because we had no access to information. Now we have to rely on curators because there's just too much information. Um, so, and the main, the curators that we have are pushing their agenda just like they always did. It makes me wonder, it really makes me wonder, Carrie, with like, 50 years ago, were they just as bad at spinning narratives and we just don't know? Like, how would we I, know? I, we, I wonder the same thing all the time. Because if they write the history, you know, how do you know? Um, the worst part about this is the video where she's being arrested. If you look at the comments, our friend uh, Chris, Chris Williams, uh, K-Dub True, He's the one that sent this to me, and he said the comments are just awful. And we don't need to look through them, but you can imagine what that means. Is You see something terrible like this. This woman just went out and murdered someone in her car. And instead of people reacting with humanity to something terrible like this, they're in there taking shots at the dead cop, you know? <laughs> like denigrating yeah. him and just showing the worst side of humanity. We, we don't have to read them, though, to just bring everybody down. Well, actually, I'm reading them now, and they're all pretty good. 
they're all oh, feeling bad for the cop and whatever. On but, his on his post, those are his fans. He was talking about on the original post. But uh, this is the Eyewitness News ABC Seven New York post. Right. They're all uh, pretty good. But you're on they're the tw- his tweet though. No, I'm on YouTube. Oh, oh, I see. On YouTube. Oh, he was talking about on Twitter. Oh, oh, okay. Well, Twitter is more of a cesspool. If it's believe, if you can believe this, that it's, Twitter is more of a cesspool than YouTube. So yeah, it is. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it doesn't feel possible. Uh, a couple more super chats. Um, let's see. Uh, Richard Petz. Richard Petz says, "Pink hair and their metal bits." You always put a smile on my face, Carter. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, I don't know how to describe him, but that's what I was thinking in my head. Uh, Rodzilla says, Carrie, did you listen to Brett Weinstein's podcast with Geert Vandenbosch yet? It's a must listen. Also, James Dellingpole cast with Dr. Mike Yaden. I'm not Yaden, sure how to pronounce Yaden. that. About uh, no. the jab is also a must, must listen, not on YouTube. Thank you for that. I just wrote the second one down. No, I haven't. And people keep asking me. It's on my list. My fiance's listened to it. He's told me a lot about it also, but I have not listened yet. If you're keeping yeah. score at home. <laughs> but I will listen. <laughs> There's so much to listen to. I, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the podcasts and and stuff that I used to really like, I just don't have time to listen to them anymore. Um, you know what's great about having a partner is that they listen to things and you listen to things and you can tell each other about them. And then yeah, and I do yeah. get around to also listen to some of the stuff he's listened to, but. Sometimes he'll give me a good summary, and then I'm like, great, and I just listen to this thing, and here's the, you know, so that's helpful. It's like having a second person to, and also um, just different documentaries, and like I've been watching some different docs than him, and then we'll tell each other about them, and he's reading a lot of Texas history right now, which is so interesting, and all these different books on Texas history. Did you know, he told me that the Comanches, they... The, the word Comanche in one of the other native languages at the time, I forget which one, it meant he who will not stop fighting with me. <laughs> 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 or try, he who will not stop trying to go to war with me. And it, it was like, what a great name. Um, but he was saying they were so just um, it's very skilled fighters and just really rugged and and you know since as little kids like they grew up on horses pretty much their whole life they're so when they would walk around they just walked like a like a cowboy you know with that big barrel gait and yeah. but once they got on a horse they were so graceful and had developed all these moves where they would like hang off the side of the horse and shoot the arrow under the horse's head like while running wow. you know at an enemy and they would made these shields out of buffalo skin and glue that they made from horses hooves and they would throw the shields like up on one side of them while they were shooting arrows hanging with one leg from the horse <laughs> that's or, pretty badass yeah pretty badass and he said they they had adapted to living in uh, parts of texas that didn't have uh, a lot of rain and so they they were just they were just they would do anything to serve he said that when the other tribes first encountered them and and when um uh, white people first encountered them they were like they drink, they drink the liquid out of the horses' stomachs when they, because they would butcher and, and kill and eat horses sometimes. But they would drink the liquid out of the horses' stomach. I mean, they're gonna survive. <laughs> like, that's that's hardcore. But I'm sorry, that's a bit of Texas history that I thought was really interesting. And it's then super of course, interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, that was a little TMI, but... Sorry. That, the one part was a little TMI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, by the way, Silver Kangaroo mocks you and says, it's like having a second person, Carrie? <laughs> oh, it is like... Well... You do have a It is second. having a second person. It is. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's well, I was funny. thinking more about like having another copy of yourself, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody wants a list of recommendations on Texas history books. Yeah, I will send you the list of books he's reading because I'm definitely going to read at least one of them. They look just the stories he's telling. They're really interesting. And just about how they divided land up in Texas in the very, be in the very beginning. And anyway, I'll put that list together for today's. Uh, when you do the description. Cool. Um, also, Andrew Knapp gives us a super chat and says, yes, apparently Brett Weinstein's episode being fact-checked by Facebook now, so definitely a must-listen. Oh, yeah, wow. that's a... That's a... That's like a thumbs-up being fact-checked by Facebook. It's an endorsement. All right, I think we're through... I think we're through the super chats. Yeah, we are. So... We made it. Um, do you have anything that in particular you want to talk about? I've covered most of what I wanted to discuss, so I rest my case. I, just, I, I have a minor, I don't think it's a big, long thing, but it's, uh, man, it's something that's really been obvious. It's becoming more obvious to me, and probably to a lot of parents who've been home with their kids during this pandemic. Um, so... I don't, I'm like, how do I start this? I actually want to start with, I, this is an example of how, you know how we talk about culture being upstream from politics? Mm -hmm. um, but we've kind of mentioned, there is a feedback loop a little bit, and I think this is an example of how political decisions, and you can argue these decisions were cultural and then they became political, but have an impact then on future generations and their culture. Um, Women were told, like, feminism was a good idea insofar as women should be treated equally and respected equally and can do whatever they want, all that good stuff, right? But there came a time during feminism when, here, the problem I have with a lot of these measurements is they, they, they're measuring success based on the standard of wealth and on career, and not everyone should measure they're like telling people they're told women this is how you have to measure your self-worth and they really vilified moms and so we ended up that plus throw in inflation lack of the gold standard all this other crap taxes a bunch of other stuff all in the government's control has led us to an era in which almost i don't know if it's i don't know the numbers but a large, large number, I would have guessed most families have both parents working, right? There's not, the, the 1950s stay home and watch the kids is not considered kosher anymore, mostly. Um, although I think it's a great idea. Uh, and it means that parents are really, really busy. And when like, even, even when kids were going to school, if one, you know, is you're not homeschooling, you're just sending your kid to school, if one parent is home, they can 
pay attention to what's going on with the kids' education and their lives a lot better than two parents who are working. You come home from working, you're tired at the end of the day, or you're busy or whatever. And we're just not paying attention to our kids. And I think a lot of times, and we're, we're kind of assuming that whatever's going on in school, I think a lot of us assume that whatever's happening in school is what happened to us when we were in school, yeah. um, <laughs> which is totally dangerous to assume. It's not true. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of parents are seeing what's happening because their kids are remote schooling. They're seeing some of the stuff. And I just, just in the past couple days, I just want to share some stuff with you that really bothered me about my own daughter's education. And she was homeschooled last year and we tried this private school this year. What a bad year to try private school because she ended up like mostly not ever going, right? She was home because of the pandemic. But, uh, two classes I'm going to pick on. And this is literally just, I've heard, I overheard this stuff within, you know, five, 10 minutes in the past couple days. This is not a, this is not like studying what she's been doing for, you know, months. In her history class, they were covering, I don't know why this is history. They were covering, um, the teacher was talking about fair trade diamonds, about how if you're going to buy diamonds, you want to buy fair trade and that African diamond miners are not paid enough and mistreated. And That all might be true, by the way, but that's not history. Um, and then the history teacher went on to explain that basically the problem with nuclear plants was when they were really big. Big nuclear plants are bad, but small ones are good. And she was talking about uranium mining. Also kind of wrong about nuclear plants and not sure what this has to do with history. Like just like a really weird, and I listened to the section on and it wasn't like, here's the history of uranium mining, which would be an odd angle to come at. My daughter's in sixth grade, an odd thing to be teaching the sixth graders the history of uranium mining, but okay. It wasn't even really that. It was just, here's where uranium is mined currently and some problems with it and big nuclear plants are bad. And like, here's where diamonds are mined. And like, if you're gonna buy a diamond, it needs to be fair trade. Like, I don't know what this has to do with history. Um, it was it was really odd. And the science class, which I've bitched about before, <laughs> she has an entire unit on climate change. Now, I don't care where you stand on climate change. Let me tell you what she hasn't learned yet. Chemistry thermodynamics, physics, biology, uh, astronomy, nothing that would be necessary to actually evaluate the validity of climate science, nothing, no foundation, zero foundation. So she's got an entire unit on climate change, which is a problem in and of itself. The first thing they did was watch the Lorax. Uh, now, I guess Dr. Seuss wasn't problematic for that. The next thing they did, she just read as part of her homework assignment, articles about Greta Thunberg's year off of school and what it was like to be a climate change activist. Wow. Now, that's I not science. You, that's not science. Yes, I ask you legitimately, where is the science here? And I've also heard the science class in, you know, previously I've heard tidbits of things where they'll talk about ecosystems, but it's very surface level. What they do is they pick a few sciencey things 
to make a point about activism. That's the entire class. They, so they'll, so they, they talked about ecosystems a little bit, but only so long, only so much as they could use that discussion to talk about humans were ruining some ecosystem somewhere, right? It wasn't a discussion about what's the nature of ecosystems and how do they work? It was, here's some examples. We're going to learn just enough so that we can bitch about human activity. We're going to learn just enough climate quote science, which they're learning zero of, um, so that we can maybe sound like we kind of know what we're talking about. We're going we're to study Greta Thunberg's activism. It is gut-wrenching. It makes me want to puke. It makes me really angry. I'm not going to succeed getting anywhere with a school, and I'm not even going to bother trying. But um, it is, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm kind of a stay-at-home dad, so I can kind of pay attention. And by the way, the American Chemical Society has a great eighth grade science curriculum, which is totally appropriate for all the way down to, I would guess, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, uh, which you can run through with your kid if you want to actually do some real chemistry. Um, but it is, it's, it's unconscionable. And by the way, this school she's going to, it's not a school focused on activism. It is, I don't want to name it, but it's in the Bay Area and it is a pretty prestigious, well-known, like, it's a good, it's quote, it's a quote, good school, private school that is hard to get into. And that's the crap that she's taught. Now her math is fine. Math is good. Her English, yeah, they read some crappy books, but also some decent ones. They read Beowulf, like, okay. Some other subjects are kind of okay, but those two are particularly disgusting. It's disgusting that she's learning no science. She's learning no science. She's learned no science this entire year, none. What is the teacher like? The teacher has a PhD in geology. Um, I guess that's fine, uh, but I haven't heard them learn any geology. Uh, so I don't is, know. Is the teacher like on Facebook or something where you can see, are they completely wokeified? I would assume they are. Oh, um, she does not look completely wokeified. No, she looks like a school marm. Wow. I mean, except for she does have the like the Berkeley liberal glasses, you know, like the, the little like. <laughs> <laughs> she probably she probably uses essential oils but um, i use essential oils what does that mean <laughs> yeah, there you go uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's it's really it's really disheartening it's really really and it's frustrating because it's an expensive school and like you know so I, it she would be better off with just me doing the science curriculum and, you know it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. And at least she's got someone in the house who can like talk her through it. And we, we talk about like, how much science did you talk about when you read Greta Thunberg's, the, the article about Greta Thunberg? And like, she knows that it's just indoctrination and it's activism. She can tell, um, but it's tough. Um, can, I, can I tell you something along these same, well, first of all, Blackbeard gives us a super chat. Thank you, Blackbeard, and says, Carter, you just misread <laughs> the name of the class. Zur is in sixth grade pseudoscience. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's, you know what? You're right. I... She's in the science class. The science. <laughs> um, the science, scientist class. I wasn't sure what you were going to talk about when you first introduced this, this topic, but you made me think of a, a recent conversation I had with some parents who, um, I'll just do, talk about this without giving any specifics, really. They, they were just talking about the, the, how, how difficult it is 
in this day and age to determine how much social media and phone access you should give your preteens mm-hmm. because and they were saying it's impossible not to give them some access because you want them to be prepared for life in the real world but also because in their classrooms the teacher use some of their teachers have them use it constantly their phone and 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 you know this one mom was telling me yeah i have the a screen time app on the phone so i can see how how much the phone is used and for what purposes and it's like constantly throughout the school day look this up look that up do this do it's why do you need to have the phone if, if you're teaching history if you have a good class you're teaching prepared history, there's nothing like new that needs to be looked up yeah, yeah well they're looking <laughs> up greta thunberg articles you know what i mean like right. you're and and by the way you can prepare those as a teacher you can pull whatever articles and things you, you don't need your kids to be looking up stuff constantly on their phone um but so the phone has been used in the classroom throughout the day and not just for what the, the stuff the teacher says because obviously they have their phone they're on their phone so they're using it for other things and right. but then on top of that um this one parent was saying she found a video a TikTok video on her preteen son's phone and it was of a fellow classmate this is a 13 or 14 year old girl who mm-hmm. has a TikTok account and it's a video of her in her panties and underwear gyrating and dancing you know sexualized it's very sexualized dancing and and so now they're in a position of like do we tell the parents do they, are they aware that she has a channel um is it child porn that we have on our phone our son's phone now that like it's in our name <laughs> like that this has been viewed you know like what what are i was just i was listening to all these and there were lots of parents talking to me and it just it just i was thinking how difficult it must be to try and navigate this space today because all this stuff is being pushed on your kids it's not like um yeah you know yesterday my preacher's sermon one part of the sermon he was talking about you know when we grew up pornography for example was something that some people went and sought out but now pornography seeks you out <laughs> like you're like i don't even oops i searched like, for the wrong thing right yeah. you know it's like coming for right. you and and it just it just how quickly our culture has changed and yeah. i just think how hard it must be to navigate a world of social media and technology and these little devices and how much do you bring kids into um you know how much how much access to, and how do you monitor it and just all these all these comp- complicated questions that I haven't had to face because I'm not a parent. Yeah, I'll tell you what the that the my daughter doesn't have a phone, um, but almost everyone in her school has a phone. Uh, like she's like one of the only kids who doesn't. She's 11, by the way. Like everyone has a phone. Wow. Um, and when she was growing up, we didn't have, we had zero screen time until the age of, I think five or six, maybe she was six. She was allowed to watch her first movie. Like we had no screen time in the house. Um, and so she has been pretty good about reading and developing habits that have nothing to do with screens. But this year has been tough because she has a computer for school, right? Um, which she didn't need when she was homeschooling, but now like everything's on her computer like every, her assignments, everything's on her computer. And like, she definitely has struggled with like going down YouTube rabbit holes of just like, cause she's, her computer's there. Her teachers will send her YouTube videos like, oh, watch 
actually science class again had a watch this watch this video these science the science gals or whatever had some video on something which i'd forget what it was but i remember being appalled at how horrible it was anyway uh like but so she needs youtube access even um and she's like i didn't really build up the i didn't really train her on here's how to avoid getting sucked into these rabbit holes because it wasn't an issue but now i'm having to struggle with with doing that and it's not really easy it's not it's not an easy thing to do even if you try and keep your kid away from it at some point they're going to need to be like at right. some point they become adults and that's a slow process but at some point they need to be sitting in a computer with internet access typing on a keyboard and like yeah. that will happen and like that's a the skill to not get sucked into youtube videos is like that's a real skill now fortunately she doesn't have social media so she's not sucked into that um she's not allowed to use tiktok or any of those kind of like she doesn't have any of that stuff but still it's not it's not super easy um and i don't yeah. I, you know i my only message to parents would be just generally pay attention to what your kid is doing at school like this time this time use the use the covid time i know it's basically over in, for, for a lot of areas now but um i gotta say i i'm not super impressed with I'm not super impressed with the idea of her going to a school, even a really good school, because um, there's just not, this, she's not learning, this is the science that I cared about, she's not learning. The history yeah. that she needs, she's not learning. They're not learning this stuff. And if your yeah. kid goes to, a, I guarantee, if your kid goes to a public school, it's way worse than the school she's going to. I, I guarantee it's way, way worse. Unless you lucked out and you get like a, some old dude science teacher who's it's like from the 70s who's still you know bopping around somehow and wanting to teach real science like it's really bad it's really oh, really speaking, bad speaking of uh when i was mentioning those texas history books uh, before one of my friends um here in texas her brother used to be a high school history teacher he his subject was texas history and he just quit a few years ago because he said he, he wasn't allowed to teach texas history anymore that his curriculum yeah. had become so full of this social justice crap and it's sad right yeah yeah and look if you can afford i've said this before but one way to do your part is is have one of like if you're a two-parent home which you should be uh <laughs> if you're a two-parent home but one of you should stay home it, it can be the guy it's cool you can be a guy that stays home if your if your spouse makes more, but one of you should stay home um, because I first of all you're paying fewer taxes. Uh, you actually save quite a lot of money. Like staying home, you don't have to hire <laughs> you don't have to hire any uh, daycare. You don't have to pay for a private school. You've got time. If you stay home, you can have time. You can. There's lots of online curriculum stuff. I like. I super recommend homeschooling and staying home. It's and you're denying the government tax dollars, uh, which what they really want. And you can see Biden pushing this. And this is what they've always wanted. It's it's a push towards brave new world, which we read early on. This that what they want is parents to give up their children yes. on at birth, yeah. and they want. And I don't I don't mean actually give them up because that sounds too scary, but basically give them up during daylight hours. They're allowed to sleep at home. But the government's wanting to, oh, we should have childcare right from birth and like indoctrination right away. And the government should help. It's all under the guise of helping. The government should help out 
because it's so difficult to raise a family now and blah, blah, blah. Well, look, the reason it's so difficult is because of the government in the first place. They've made it expensive and difficult to raise a family yeah. like you used to be able to. They've taxed the hell out of you. They've told women that you're less than for wanting to stay home, um, which, by the way, translates to guys if a guy wants to stay home, you know. He gets the same message. So they've told you you got to both be out working to be productive. And uh, and as a result, you got no time for your kids. Well, who do you think is going to raise them? Like the person raising them is the person who spends time with them. And if that's not you, you're not raising them. Um, so. Hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm here to raise your kids. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And they're all. And by the way, when we when we search for private schools, You'd be surprised at how many private schools have, quote, good citizenship and activism in their mission statement. This one doesn't. This one at least is like talked about academics, but like a lot of them explicitly are like, we're trying to build the activists for tomorrow. It's like, well, I don't, is that what you're, is that why you're going to school to build activists for tomorrow? And I know that I'm saying these are only private schools, but this trickles down to public schools, like public schools emulate you know, what's popular in private schools, it just takes them longer to get there. Um, or in some of it, they might be already advanced with the crappy education. Um, Marie Busky, hey Marie, she says, come on, Carter, where's the courage, Carter? A critical email at least, where there's a will, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, there's not really a will. I mean, I will push back on them, I, and I have already on some of the things. Uh, actually, I did push back on science already during parent-teacher meetings. Um, and I will push back again at the end of the year, but um, it would spend, it would take me more time. It was a full-time job to lobby the school and try and get them to change this. And they never will because I'm in the like vast minority. I'm sure that most of the parents are like, yay, Greta Thunberg. Uh, I mean, cause I'm in the Bay area. So uh, it's better just to be like, stop doing that. Let's, let's do some chemistry curriculum at home. Let's a better use of my time. Um, but I will, I will let them know. I have let them know in the past. I did complain about some other stuff in the past, and I'll give feedback here. But it will go in one ear and out the other. They won't care. That's not cynical. It's just realism. <laughs> G-Man says, create a coalition of super parents. Actually, I would love to. I would love to have, like, it'd be nice to be able to talk to other parents who are dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, I just don't know a lot. There's not, I don't have parents. I don't know parents with, of kids my age, kids my daughter's age in the Bay Area. Um, the ones that are her friend's parents, they, they're happy about Greta Thunberg and the Lorax. So uh, not really a worthwhile discussion to have. So I was just looking this up. We're going to wrap up. But there was an article I read this morning. And where's Port Townsend? What oh, state is that? Is that? That I rings a bell, but I have no idea. I hate it when local newspapers and stuff will include a city and not the... Washington. <laughs> okay, Washington. Okay, so there's this high school in Washington in Port Townsend. It's Chimicum Junior Senior High School, CJSHS. They are offering students half of the required community service hours. Their are hours that are required for graduation, so graduation credits. Half of their graduation credits if they get the COVID vaccine. They're bribing students at this public high school with graduate with actual credits if you get a vaccine. 
Is that not? Wow. <laughs> I'm not educated, but I got the jab. Yeah. <laughs> what? Anyway, since we were talking about public school, I just thought I'll bring that up. You froze up. I don't know if I did. Uh, if, if you guys can still see me, Carter froze. So I'll just take it from here then. I don't know if you can see me or not. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been an interesting day. We have book club. Oh, there I'm you back. are. I'm back. I'm back. My internet okay. did some weird thing. Sorry. Okay. But okay. we should wrap up. Anyway. We should wrap up. We've got book club coming up on Sunday, May 30th at 2 o'clock Texas time. We are doing Beyond Order by Dr. Jordan Peterson. This is going to be a fantastic one, I have a feeling. So start reading that book now. You can go to unsafespace.com to our book club page to find out more info or to get a link to buy. You can join the live chat, video chat, or you can be in the, the chat like today. And it's free to join and participate. And then in August, we have our first ever Unsafe Space retreat. We still have lots of day passes left for that Saturday, that particular Saturday in August. It is August 20th, 21st, and 22nd. And so at Saturday, the 21st, which is when most everything's happening, we still have day passes available at unsafespace.com. Uh, look for the retreat page. If you would like to support us financially, it costs money for us to do this show. Uh, you can go to unsafespace.com to the donate page. And what else? I think that's about it. Like, share, subscribe, and today's Monday. So have a good, have a good week. <laughs>
Did you know that deer no longer wear Kevlar vests? Only we do that. So you won't need that silly thing anymore. Why not hand it over? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.